Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Second Timothy, the first chapter, and I want to begin our reading this morning at verse number three, and we will conclude together at verse number seven. If you have your phones, you can use your phones. If you have your Bibles and you're in Genesis, you probably want to keep flipping. And if you're in Revelations, you've gone entirely too far. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, beginning the reading at verse number 3. The text reads this way, I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience both day and night as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of the sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I want to take a point of personal privilege and read that again from an older text that we don't read anymore. The King James Version says, but God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. And that which was in you, I am persuaded, was also in your grandmother and in your mother. For the few moments that are yours and mine, I want to tag this text with this thought and hang my hat homiletically upon this phrase very simply, I get it from my mama. I get it from my mama. Would you be so kind as to help me preach this sermon and look at a neighbor? Don't touch him. Just look at him and say, neighbor, I get it from my mama. Amen. I get it from my mama. All of my life, I have been told that I resemble my mother, and the older I get, begrudgingly so, the more I become like her. (laughs) I look up some days and I realize that the way I keep my house clean and in order is just the way my mama taught me all those years ago. I I look up some days and people come over my house and say, Rice, where in the world did you learn how to decorate like that? They think I shop at Restoration Hardware and they don't even know. I go to Marshall's and TJ Maxx and get a whole bunch of stuff on discount, but you would never know. And I just simply tell them I learned it from my mama. There, there, there was a time back in, in November when I had a Friendsgiving at my house. And child, let me tell you, I was throwing down in the kitchen. We had some collard greens and candy yams and a little bit of roast beef. And we had some pies and we had a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And my friends were so taken aback. They said, Rice, where in the world did you learn how to cook like this? And I just smiled at them and said, child, I get it from my 
mama. They didn't know the whole time I was preparing the meal that I was on the phone with my mother so she could walk me through step by step. But they didn't know that. And all I told them was I get it from my mama. There are some days that I try to step out in the city of Atlanta and I try to make sure that my shoes and my pants and my shirt all are coordinated. And there are some people who will ask me, Rice, who taught you how to dress like that? And all I do is smile back at them and tell them, child, I get it from my mama. And even though I have learned how to dress and I've learned how to cook and I've learned how to decorate, I have not mastered yet the ability to bake a pound cake. Don't tell nobody. It's a secret. But if you ever want a pound cake, do not come my direction because my mother and my grandmother have this beautiful recipe to how to put a pound cake together. I can make you a good yellow box cake with some chocolate icing on it, but I don't know how to make a pound cake just as of yet. I've not learned how to master it, but growing up, my mother and my grandmother, they made these delicious pound cakes, and I never understood their process fully. I live in Atlanta, but I'm from a small city in Virginia. It's so small, if I told you the name of it, you wouldn't even recognize it. And down in this country of Virginia, they would get some flour and some cake mix and some mayo and some eggs, throw in a pinch of salt and milk, and they'd stir it all together. But see, in this small city that I'm from, my grandmother did not use 2% milk or whole milk. She used something that came in a can called carnation milk. And I could not understand for the life of me why my grandmother would put the carnation milk in the cake. And my grandmother looked at me one day when I was trying to learn the recipe and she calls me LK. She says, LK, I'm using the canned milk because it lasts a little bit longer. It does not expire as quickly. She said, see, if you use regular milk, see, that has an expiration date. And if you put expired ingredients in the overall recipe, it's going to cause you to get a stomach ache. And I want to press pause right there this morning and holler at some people in the room because you've come to First Corinthians with some stomach aches in life because you keep trying to consume stuff that has already expired. But I've come to tell somebody this morning that if you want to get to where God wants you to be, you got to learn how to tell some people and some places, let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. As a matter of fact, as I look back over my life, I can testify that the reason I had some stomach aches, the reason I had some heartaches, the reason I had some headaches is because I had to discover that some people are no longer in X. They're now a Y. Why in the world was I dating them in the first place? You got to learn how to be able to move on and let the expired stuff go and be grateful for the times that you had. But you got to understand that breakups ain't the end of the world. That if you break up with a little boy or a little girl, understand they're like a bus. If you miss one bus, guess what, boo? Another one's going to come around the corner after a while. Is there anybody in this house who can testify that I'm learning not to put expired ingredients in my life's recipes? And so my grandmother told me that you've got to learn how to get some fresh ingredients. And so I was ready to pour this carnation milk in just as it was. And my grandmama laughed at me and she said, no, baby, reading is fundamental. I said, grandma, what do you mean? Because on the outside of the can, here's what it said. It said, in order to get best results, you got to shake this can up. And I want you to know every now and again, beloved, God will shake your life upside down to get the best results out of you. Anybody ever been shook before? Anybody ever been up and been down? But your testimony is I'm still standing. Your testimony is I've still got joy. Your testimony is I've still got my strength and I've still got my praise. And I know the last couple of years in our country have been crazy. But can I suggest to you today that maybe God was just shaking us up so God could get the best out of us. Every now and again, God will shake you and God will 
will mold you so that God can get the best results out of you. And they'd make those pound cakes. And, and I tried to use a wooden spoon one time. I'm embarrassed to tell. Y'all better not tell nobody this. I tried to stir that, I tried to stir that substance with the spoon. And my grandmama said, no, nah, baby, you can't stir the cake batter with a spoon. You got to get you a kitchen aid. You got to get something that can get in the midst, in the thick of the material and stir it all the way together. I said, Grandmama, why can't I use a wooden spoon? She says, because if you don't properly mix the batter, then the cake will fall in the oven. If you don't properly mix the batter, then the process of aeration will cause the cake to fall while it is baking. And I want to encourage somebody today uh, to not use wooden spoons in your life, but allow yourself to go through the process of being stirred because the more God stirs you, the better you're going to come out. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you're going through a stirring process right now. You're going through a trying time right now. But I want to encourage you to not hop out of the oven just yet because God is doing something in you that eyes have not seen and that ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for you. And that's where Paul is in the text this morning as he writes his son in the ministry, Timothy. He tells him to stir up the gifts that are within you in the same way that my grandmama told me that you've got to learn how to stir the batter until you get all of the lumps out of the batter to ensure that you get the best results. Paul is now writing his son in the ministry, Timothy, and he's writing him, telling him to stir up the gifts that are with already within you. I like what Paul does in this text because Paul is imprisoned at Ephesus and he tells his son in the ministry, Timothy, to stir up the gifts within him. Let me give you context so you understand content. Timothy was Paul's assistant on his missionary journeys throughout Asia Minor and Greece. He helped Paul to found churches through the process of Hellenization and Macedonia and became what is called an initiary prophet to Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth. Timothy has already been catechized, beloved, in, in terms of his theology, Christology, soteriology, and pneumatology, examined by an ordination council, and now he finds himself working with the Apostle Paul, and Paul tells him to stir up the gifts that are within you. I think you may have missed a shout point this morning because I told you implicitly right there that Paul finds himself imprisoned in Ephesus, and yet and still he is encouraging his son in the ministry, Timothy, church folk miss their shout cues. If I was back in Atlanta, I would say this is where you get your shout on because Paul finds himself incarcerated, but in spite of his own incarceration, he still provides inspiration for somebody else. I know I went over your head. I'll do it one more time. I said Paul understood that even though I am incarcerated, he said my incarceration will not prohibit or limit me and my ability to provide inspiration for somebody else. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you are, you are learning that you are grown up in God, not by how high you jump when you shout or how loud you holler when you scream. No, but the sign that you have grown up in God, the sign that you are mature in Christ is when you can provide inspiration to somebody else in spite of your own situation. With sickness in your body, you still have the ability to tell somebody else that God is a healer. And that's why you've got to be careful when you come to church on Sunday morning because there may be somebody else who's watching you. There may be somebody else who's 
observing you and their testimony is if you can make it through your hard times then maybe I can make it through mine the old songwriter said if I can help somebody as I pass along if I can cheer somebody with a word of song then my living is not in vain and I wonder is there anybody around this church this morning who can testify no matter what I find myself going through I'm made up in my mind like David that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth that's a good place to give God praise this morning because in spite of what you're dealing with in spite of what you're going through you still have the resolve and you still have determination to bless the name of God as a matter of fact that's a good place to look at your neighbor and tell him if you play Paul then I'll be Silas if you'll be Elizabeth then I'll be Mary that if you shout for me then I'll shout for you if you clap for me I'll clap for you if you pray for me I'll pray for you and watch God turn our world upside down uh, beloved the text tells us today that you've got to learn how to stir up those gifts and Paul tells Timothy that if you're going to stir up those gifts number one hear this you've got to learn how to use your memory you, you, you've got to learn how to use your memory. I'm still in Bible country, as Jeremiah Wright would say. Verse number five, listen to what Paul tells Timothy. He says, when I recall to my mind the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded it is also in you. What he's telling him here is that basically you've got to understand that there's something within you that is allowing you to be able to operate in the gifts that God has already put in you in terms of your preordination. Timothy's mother was Jewish, but his father was a Gentile, so he had a split lineage. But what I love about this text, Pastor Mike, is that his grandmother's name and its etymology literally means better. His mother's name means good or victorious. And so what Paul tells him is that you've got to go back down into the hippocampus where long-term the memory is stored. Never mind the peridial gland or the, or the frontal lobe or, or the temporal lobe or the pineal gland or the medulla oblongata. He says, pass all of that and go back to the hippocampus. Look down where your long-term memory is stored, and there you're going to find that you have better in you. There you will find that you have victory in you. And I've just stopped by FCBC to tell somebody this morning, no matter what comes your way, there's good in you. No matter what has happened to you in your life, there is better in you. There's victory in you, and you are an overcomer. How do you know? Because Scripture teaches us that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not beneath that you are a lender and not a borrower that there is something that is uniquely deposited within you and you get it from your mama he tells them he he, he literally tells Timothy that if it were not for the women who were in your lineage, you would not be who you are today. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I've just come to encourage somebody that we ought to give praise and we ought to give thanks for every black woman in this country who has paved the way for us to be where we are. We ought to give God praise for every woman who's made a way, who's blazed a trail, who's opened a door, who's walked a path. We ought to give God praise for Cicely Tyson and Brianna 
Breonna Taylor and Sandra Bland and Rosa Parks and Mahalia Jackson and Mary McLeod Bethune and Jarena Lee and Maria Stewart and Dorothy Heights and Maya Angelou and Amanda Gorman and Cardi B and Beyonce. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's some church girls in here this morning who can testify that I did it from my mama. Do I have company in this house who can testify when I look back over my life and all of the stuff that I've come through, there's some good in me, there's victory in me, and there's power in me. I didn't mean to get this excited. I didn't mean to get this excited. So, 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 so Paul tells Timothy, number one, you've got to learn how to use your memory. Understand that you come from a lineage of people who have persevered through difficult times. He says, number one, if you're going to learn how to stir up the gifts, you've got to learn how to use your memory. And then he tells them, not only must you learn how to use your memory, hear this, number two, he teaches us that you've got to learn how to embrace your mystery. The text tells us right here in verse number six, says, for uh, this reason, I remind you to stir up the gifts that are already within you through the laying on of your hands. In other words, what Paul tells Timothy is that God has already given you the creative license and the divine blueprint to give birth to everything that God has uniquely deposited within you. I want you to hear me and hear me well this morning. Stop waiting on somebody else or something else outside of you to manifest what God has already deployed within in you. I've come today with a prophetic mantle to tell you that this is the season, this is the moment, and this is the time for you to stir up the gifts that God has placed within you. As a matter of fact, it was Dr. Howard Thurman, a Christian mystic and theologian who said, do not ask what the world needs, but ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what this world needs is people who have come alive. And I want to remind you that when God called you to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. It was not a conference call. You don't need anybody else to co-sign. You don't need anybody else to agree. You don't need anybody else to approve the vision that God has given unto you. You've got to understand that this time and the season for shrinking yourself to be digestible for other people is over. As far as I'm concerned, they can choke. They can kick rocks. If they don't like it, that's their problem and not yours. You've got to get to a place in your life where you stop diminishing who you are to make other people feel comfortable around you. I've learned, beloved, that you cannot allow other people to make you keep your voice silent. Your voice matters. Your body matters. Your blackness matters. Your queerness matters. You matter to God and you matter to this church. And I've come to encourage somebody today to tell you stop playing small. You playing small to the world does not help anybody. But you've got to learn how to tell some people if you don't like my hair, well then child look the other way. If you don't like the clothes that I got on, then buy me some more. Because in this season of my life is Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. I don't care if you like me or not. I don't care if you clap for me or not. I don't care if you celebrate me or not. I've learned how to encourage myself. I've learned how to pat my own self on the back. I've learned how to press my way through. And so Timothy tells, Paul tells Timothy rather to stir up the gifts 
that are within you. Uh, that phrase, stir up the gifts, is an admixture of compound words in its, in its, in its origin, Greek origin. Uh, it, it, it literally transliterates to mean stoke the fire. Uh, again, I'm, I'm from a small city in, in Virginia. My dad and I, when I, were, when I was a kid, we would go outside and uh, chop wood. <laughs> and uh, we'd take the wood back in the house, put it in the fireplace, and my dad would get a, get a log, light the log on fire, and uh, we'd have a beautiful fire in the fireplace. Sit there and eat our marshmallows and drink hot chocolate uh, around the fireplace, watch a little Andy Griffith show, I Love Lucy, all of that. Time of my life. Every now and again, my daddy would go over and get a, uh, a poker. And uh, he would open up the fireplace, and he always made my sister and I get back. And I'm like, the fire's not going to spray. Calm down, dude. And uh, he, 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 would, he, he would take that stoke, and he would start hitting the logs. He would start stoking the fire. And I said, Dad, why are you doing that? The fire is fine on its own. And here's what he said to me that blessed my life. He said, the reason that I stoke the fire is so that the flames don't die down. See, if you just allow the fire to keep burning and consume the wood, eventually it will die down. But if you continue to stoke the fire, then it is going to be reignited. It will be reignited. It will be reignited. And so in a real sense, every now and again, what God will do is that God will metaphorically stoke us to ensure that our dreams don't die down. God will metaphorically stoke us and metaphysically too to ensure that our passions don't die down, to ensure that our zeal doesn't die down. And I'm just curious, is there anybody in this house who can say, God, do what you want to do in my life as long as you want to. God, make me and shape me and break me and mold me into the person that you need me to be. I'm trying to tell some that God will, will stoke you every now and again because there's a gift inside of you. There's some gifts inside of you. There are some gifts inside of you. There's a book that needs to be written. There's a speech that needs to be delivered. There's a business that needs to be developed. There's a building that needs to be erected. There's a school that needs to be opened. There's a ministry that needs to be started. There's an idea that needs to be enlivened. There's a mountain that needs to be climbed. Keep sitting there. I'll preach to myself. There's a valley that needs to be exalted, a vision that needs to be cast. Now needs to be transmitted. A generation needs to be saved. And if you allow your gifts to remain dormant, it will never come to pass. I've come to tell somebody God is within you. There's some sky in you. There's some divinity in your humanity. There's some theology in your biology. There's some Christology in your cardiology. There's some pulmonology in your, in your pulmonology. All I'm trying to tell you is that God is within you. And if God is within you, then you cannot fail. Paul tells Timothy, if you're going to learn how to stir up the gifts, I'm done. Number one, you got to learn how to use your memory. Recall to your mind the genuine faith that is already within you from your foremothers. Then he tells him, not only must you use your memory, number two, you've got to learn how to embrace your mystery. That, that divine blueprint that is already within you. And, and then Paul tells Timothy, when you learn how to use your memory, when you learn how to embrace your mystery, lastly and finally, it will bring forth your ministry. Listen to what the text tells us in verse number seven. He says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but that of love 
power and a sound mind. I love what Paul tells Timothy, but I disagree with the semantical writing of this text. I disagree with the order in which he placed this. He says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. Beloved, I want to suggest to you, and I'm in my seat, that if you're going to get to where God wants you to be, if you're going to stir up the gifts within you, that you need love, you need power, and you need a sound mind, but maybe not exactly in that order. You've got to have love, yeah, but then you got to have a sound mind, and then you got to have power. He tells them you got to have love, and I like that this morning. The reason he tells them you got to have love is because when others walk away from you, you got to learn how to love yourself. If nobody else wants to be around you, you got to learn how to love yourself. And if you're going to do the work of ministry, it doesn't require you to have a title. It doesn't require you to have a lot of money, but it does require you to have love. You're going to have to learn how to love the hell out of some people who you know don't like you. You're going to have to learn how to love the hell out of some politicians who are systematically trying to institutionalize racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia, but we've got to love them anyway. As a matter of fact, it was Dr. Cornell West who said years ago that if you're going to serve the if you're going to save the people, you've got to serve the people. And if you're going to lead the people, you've got to love the people because love is what we need. Dr. King said it this way. He said, what we need is not soft-minded religionists nor tough-minded scientists, but what we need is love. And so Paul tells him that you got to have love, but then he tells him that you've got to have a sound mind. You've got to have a sound mind largely to the degree that you remember what Paul told the other church in telling the Romans, be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to talk to somebody who came in here with $500 shoes on your feet, but you got a five cent brain because you've not unlocked all of the genius that God has within you. You better learn how to use your mind. You better learn how to use your mind for the glory of God. You better learn how to use your mind for the glory of building community and human development and human flourishing. You've got to learn how to use your mind. That's why Isaiah said, I'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds is stayed on me. He tells them, you've got to have love. You've got to have a sound mind. But then he tells them, you've got to have power. And I like that this morning because if I don't have anything else, my prayer is that God would give me power. That word power in Greek comes from this Greek word etymologically, which is the word dunamis. That word dunamis is where we derive the English word dynamic or dynamite from. So in a real sense, what Paul is telling Timothy is that there's some dynamite in you. There's something dynamic in you. There's something explosive in you. And if you don't allow the fire to be ignited, then the dynamite will never go off. But I'm looking for every blood washed, born again, saved believer in this house who can testify that there's something in me. As a matter of fact, the songwriter said there's something within me that I cannot explain. There's something within me that withholds the rain. And I just think there's some power in me. Do you know the amount of power that's in this room? If we collectively tap into the genius that God has deposited within us, do you know how much power is in this room to change Harlem, New York? Do you know how much power is in this room to change the state of New York? Do you know how much power is in this room to turn this world upside down? But you've got to understand power is not outside of you, but power is already within you. That's why Paul told the church at Ephesus, now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than you can ask or think according to the power that's already within you. I feel my ride and I feel like having church. Y'all have to excuse me, but when I think about the power that God put within me, every now and then my soul gets happy when I consider everything that God has brought me through. When I consider how God made a way, when 
but I consider how God put food on my table and clothes on my back and I consider the power that God put within me. There's something within me that makes me leap. There's something within me that makes my hands go up. There's something within me that makes my soul cry out. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord for saving me. Is there anybody in this room who can give God praise because you've got power. Power to tread upon scorpions. Power to lay hands on the sick. Power to open up your mouth and declare that I shall live and not die to see the works of the Lord. I dare you to elbow your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've got power. There's so much power on me. I can break chains this morning. There's so much power on me. I can flip the atmosphere. There's so much power that one Friday night, they took my Jesus up the Via Dolorosa to the summit of Golgotha's brow. They hung him high and stretched him wide. And he had so much power, he could have called down a legion of a thousand angels. They put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. But he had so much power, he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. And there he died. He died until the centurion soldier said, surely this must be the son of God. He died one Friday night, but early come Sunday morning, he came stepping up out the grave with all power in his hands. Would you give God glory? Would you give God praise? Because you've got power. You've got oil. You've got an anointing. You've got favor. You've got victory. But don't you wait till the power comes out. I dare somebody to open up their mouth like I did it from my mom. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.